Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Pushkin. Run the Jewels stormed into hip-hop with a big sound in 2014. And over the last six years, they've only turned the energy up. Killer Mike and LP weren't strangers to anyone following hip-hop over the last couple of decades. Each made waves in their individual careers prior to forming the group. But there's something irresistible about these two guys from different ends of the hip-hop spectrum coming together. Killer Mike's a brash, politically charged rapper from Atlanta with a tight connection to OutKast and the Dungeon family. And LP's a white New York MC and producer known mostly from the underground. Together, they have a combustible energy as they rap about revolution, weed, or are just boasting about themselves. They've also waded into the world of politics in very meaningful ways. Killer Mike was a surrogate for Bernie Sanders this last election, and in turn, Bernie introed them at Coachella just a few years ago. What I'm trying to say is, this is a group that's hard to put in a box. Run the Jewels' fourth album comes out soon. They spent some time recording it at Shangri-La, and during a break from one of those sessions, they caught up with Rick Rubin. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's one of the jewels in conversation with Rick Rubin. Killer Mike turns up a little bit late, so LP and Rick got to talking first. And because LP was freshly stoned, the conversation starts in an unexpected place what LP would do during the apocalypse. So just a moment ago, you were theorizing yeah. on if, if there was an apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I, always, I always like worry about like my po- post-apocalyptic career, you know, like 
what do I have to offer a post-apocalyptic society? And I don't know if it's much. It's certainly not like brute strength. <laughs> like, uh, you know, maybe I could, you know, and I don't, you know, I probably be just some sort of like subjugated gesture, you know, like Princess Leia chained to Jabba the Hutt, you know, like, uh, but maybe hopefully without a bikini on. And, uh, just and I'm always just like, the survivors. yeah, just entertaining for food. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> just entertaining for your life. And then I'm like, well, but then again, but I'm, I'm not really a musician, you know, like I, 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 I make music, but like, you know, I didn't follow through with the piano lessons. I didn't follow through with the trumpet lessons and the saxophone lessons, all of that shit. I tried it. You know, my father was a, a jazz piano player. He was, a, he was, that was what he did. And I tried, but I was like, I remember standing in front of the mirror with a saxophone and trying to play along to like run DMC jams. And I was just like, I looked at myself one day and I was just like, I can't do this. I have to put this down. Like, I get like, this is ridiculous. I look stupid. And, and I just can't feel cool doing this. Like, I need to learn how to make that. I need to learn how to make this music. Like, I can't, like, I'm not going to make it with a saxophone. You know? Are your first memories of music your dad playing? For sure. So would he play in the house all the time? Yeah, we had a, um, you know, they lived in, a, we lived in the West Village until I was, until my parents split up. So I was there until about six and it was in the seventies and it was parties and, you know, like seventies parents didn't give a shit. They didn't give a fuck. And I kind of wish it was like that again, but like they would have crazy parties, you know, probably fucking doing cocaine and definitely drinking and smoking weed and crazy art, you know, just rambunctious parties and people like Robert Crumb wow. would show up to the, to the parties and shit. And I was just a little kid and my father had a piano and a little drum set, grand piano and a drum set and a huge record collection. And he would, he would have me sit down and play drums with him while he, while he, he played piano for the guests. And Amazing. He's a he's a he's a born entertainer. You know, I, I I it was, and 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 so it was that which was really interesting because I I started to identify it, it as a phenomenon later where I was like, oh, I get it. Like from a very early age, I had music in my life as something that you participate in, not just something that you witness, you know, because of my father and because there was a drum set and because there, I would sit on his lap and play piano with him. It was something that you just did, you know, it wasn't like some like mysterious thing that just happened. It was yeah. something that, that you, that I felt comfortable with immediately, you know, cause it was just like, didn't feel embarrassing or weird or like a stretch yeah. to try and make music. Eventually, when I started to try and make music, it felt like a natural extension of what you're supposed to do yeah. when you have that in your life. So cool. So lucky to have that. It was. And, 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 and the other thing that I learned from him, which was really something that I take seriously and think about all the time, was that he, you know, I, I grew up watching him play in restaurants and bars, you know, places where people didn't give a shit yeah. that he was playing. Yes. Places where people were ordering their chicken in the middle of the, you know, of yeah. him, and he's sitting there playing, his, really playing his heart out and singing and like, and I would, I would have to, when I visited him, this is when I would see this, you know, I would go, you know, divorced parents, you go visit your, your dad and, and, and I would have, he'd have to go do these gigs. And so I'd sit at a restaurant drinking Shirley Temple's 
and watching my dad basically just eat shit. There was something really uncomfortable and, and even sad about it. Like it's sad to me because I was like, oh. my dad's up there. These people are barely paying attention yeah. and I'm here to watch my dad play. Was it sad for him at all, do you think? Well, I mean, that's kind of what, what, what my point is. I feel like in the moment it wasn't. And in the moment he was, I mean, it may be a little frustrating on occasion, but in the moment he closed his eyes and he'd play piano. He'd like pull a melodica up and do like a solo and he'd be singing. And and I knew that he was happy in that in that moment. And I watched him do this over and over. And I, I it was always, it always hurt my heart a little bit because I was, you know, it's my dad and he's singing and I want everybody to to pay attention or whatever. But he needed it. He needed to do it and it made him happy. And and doing that and, and being able to sit at a piano was something that it didn't matter that it wasn't a career. It didn't matter that it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't about accolades or it wasn't really even, it was, it was just that it was something he really needed. And I always held that with me because I was like, hey man, if you can be happy just doing music, like it really, it's a really good, if you can find that, if you can really find being happy just doing music, then whatever happens, happens with your career. You know what I mean? Like whatever may happen. Yeah. Um, it would suck to, to, to if your career didn't exist to all of a sudden if the music didn't exist, you know? So, and that ties back to the apocalypse thing because I'm like, well, after the apocalypse, you know, Mike will probably be like a warlord. That's what I'm shooting for. Yeah. Or just to upload my brain into a computer and-, and I'm rule. talking like society's crumbled. There's no more computers. It's just like, man, Oh, man. yeah. No electricity. Yeah, I'm the leader yeah. of a no tribe. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, and I'm just like, well, I always think about like, well, what are my talents in a post-apocalyptic uh, landscape? You know what I mean? Beatboxing. Right. Like, I love, like, it's like a court gesture type of thing. Like, like it's not going to be muscle. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it'll be brains, but probably not. You know what I mean? Like, it's probably, you know, that's probably a delusion on my behalf. And, and, and so I'm like, damn, I better, I better pick up the instruments again quick. Because <laughs> shit is progressing. You know, like, I need to get back on these piano lessons because, uh, you know, I, we might not be able to plug in the fucking drum machine. I guess that's what I'm saying, Rick. You the shit, bro. Yeah. What was it? What did, records did your dad listen to? Uh, he was a big Fats Waller fan. That was his shit. Um, he just it was he was jazz head, but he listened to a lot of shit, man. I discovered all I discovered black music through my father. My father was a jazz man, and all those records are uh, all that vinyl and everything. I just was, I would just, he would let me go through them, listen, put them on the turntable, listen to it. I kind of had my, my free reign over that, like, which is kind of amazing because record collectors, you usually they'll just smack you away. But my dad was cool about it as long as I didn't fuck it up. And uh, a lot of the first jams I ever sampled or anything, when I finally got my hands on a sampler were from his record collection, straight up. The first thing I ever sampled and looped up was uh, uh, you remember um, Mr. Brown? Remember uh, Bob Marley, Mr. Brown from yeah. from pre pre Whalers, yeah. right? But um, yeah, that was that was it. Beyond the digging for samples, do you think that hearing jazz at the age that you heard it informed the way you approach music at all? I'm sure it did. I, I can only assume so. I don't. I, I couldn't pin it down. No, I couldn't tell you like exactly what that was, except to say that I just had an inherited appreciation for pretty really good music. <laughs> I mean, like I, I I just feel lucky. I'm sure there's some, some you know the, right now there's some some child who's 
who's being exposed by you know to the worst music possible by their parents you know yeah. I, I feel like that's luck that's luck of the draw you know 100 percent but uh, I mean, you know, I eventually did a jazz album. I don't know if you know that. No, I, I did a jazz that. album in like 2014. It was the first time I, and, and last time I'd ever done it. Um, which is not to say I wouldn't do it again, but it was, it, they, they, these people stepped to me to do it. They they were trying to mix things up and trying to, and um, this guy, Matthew Ship, and um, and it was William Parker and Matthew Ship and a bunch of sort of free jazz, you know, um, um, sort of titans and, I, I I don't think it was even. I did not have the skill set to produce a jazz album, but they were like, "No, we just want you your version." Yeah, and and so that was, and it was terrifying. And I was like, "I don't know what I'm doing." Yeah, but I was like, "All right." <laughs> you know? Do you like the way it came out? There's moments on it, man. My father, I got my father on it. Beautiful. Yeah, there's moments on it for sure, and and I think that there's a like a they got some like really really seriously good reviews from like high end like jazz critic type shit that i was like and then there were people i mean it was very under i think it was kind of under the radar you know but, but for my career it's something that if people have been following me they know that i did this and it, yeah there's moments that, that that are that are really cool i didn't know exactly what to do so i basically just went in and brought music and just told them to just basically improvise to my music that's truly a jazz spirit. Though. Yeah, I it mean, is. they were they were they're anarchists. You know, the, the 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 like truly anarchists. Like all those guys are as learned and as capable of like of form and like they're they're as as the highest level musicians. But they rejected it years ago because they didn't think it was the it was the it was the true spirit of, of jazz. So they were like, no, we're gonna get in a room and we're going to we're going to sort of spontaneously together create something and we're going to move off each other and that's the free jazz movement and so I was like what do you do with a bunch of people who are already just kind of like no rules and I, and the only thing I could think of was give them rules so I was like all right well here are some standards <laughs> like how what was it like like was it really cool getting your old man like yeah well I tricked him into it that's dope did I tell you about it? I never told you about that. You tell, but I want you to tell the world. You've told me about it. I oh, love. I like the story. I tricked my father into being on the record, basically, How? because I was like, "Listen, Dad, I'm doing this record. I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you do me a favor? Can you record just off cassette or whatever? You doing some cool standards, some jazz stuff, shit that you that you like that you think would be cool, and um." And he did. And and one of the songs that he picked was this really depressing fucking song that basically is called, I think, Yesterday, uh, When the Moon Was Blue. Do you know that song? Uh, it's it's it, hearing your estra essentially estranged father sing this song is is probably one of the most like, you know, emotional things you can do. And, and he's he, you know, it's just all about regret. It's just do you, do you have the version of him singing it by any chance? <laughs> it's a really good you mean the the, the original no the, oh, your, your dad's, dad's version the, my dad's version yeah, yeah. like the original before so yes. what i did was yes. i i had him do it and then i chopped it up and then yeah. i had them play around it and i made it. i don't know i don't know i'd be curious to hear the song yeah I'll, I'll play you the version that it ended up being okay let's do that here take this uh the other day rick was in and he was like do you always uh get high when you work and i was like no 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 and i was like yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie rick 
<laughs> I want to tell you the, the thing that'll make you think I'm a good person. But... <laughs> shit is dope. Real G shit, man. That shit Beautiful. I'll spare you the And your dad's voice is great. Yeah, it really is. He, he, uh, he brought the house down at my wedding, which is, which is coming up on a year, but my dad fucking made everybody in the entire wedding cry. Wow. And that's about 350 people. Wow. <laughs> you remember? I, I, that I remember, but I remember the first conversation I had with your dad via the, going back and forth for email. He let me know how proud he was of you and of us and what it meant to him. And then the first time I met him, I knew he was funny, but I didn't realize how much of a ball breaker he was. I think we were in Boston or something. He was walking down the hall. I'm the only person in the dressing room. He's in front. Other people are behind him. He said, oh, shit. Nobody told me you were black. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I almost died laughing. That's and then so he, he, he capped capped the rest of the Which night. Of course, it was not true. But he was just, no, I know, I know, I totally know it was not yeah, true. No, I, I mean, mean, I'm just saying, like he's he, laugh line. Yeah, he, doesn't like, he, get, he just like he, he doesn't give a shit. Like, I, he I love that. I lo I love that. And and he also calls me son by proxy. So shouts out to the twice a year he hits me on the internet for some reason we did something cool and he lets me know he's proud of his boy. What was the music in your household growing up, Mike? Well, I grew up. Um, there's a level past divorced parents, and it's called My Grandparents Raised Me. So we just visited each of our parents on the weekends, you know. Um, I have five sisters, three with my dad, two with my mom, the one with two of me and my mom. With my mom, we grew up in my her parents' house. So her parents played blues and gospel, and that's what I grew up listening to. My grandmother wasn't a fan of the Def Jam records I was bringing in and the loudness of them and the rambunctiousness. So and we were raised in a really Christian household, working class black, working class black people, pretty conservative, you yeah. know, in their values and stuff. So like at six o'clock on Fridays, you don't get to play bluesy music. Well, on Saturdays, blues music stopped. What, what my Secular music called, Yeah, it was called blues music. So yeah. any secular music ended. So it was gospel, you know what I'm yeah. saying, after that. So I'd have to sneak and listen to rap. But I grew up, like, really loving Buddy Guy, really loving B.B. King, Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, because this is what I played, you know, it was played. My grandmother played. Like, she was a huge B.B. King fan. You know, she was probably how my daughter looks at Chris Brown. She loved B.B. And my grandfather loved Buddy Guy. And that's how I got into, like, the Chicago style stuff. So, and gospel, lots of gospel, lots of gospel, because we went to these small Pentecostal churches and— the music was great. So I loved that part of church. Hated going to church. The rest of it, not yeah, so much. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, not that I hated church. It's just you're a kid. You yeah. know, you're 10. You, you, you want to be running around. Yeah, your friends are on bikes. And, and then you had you in suits. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Suited up. Yeah. And then Pentecostal churches, you know, women were wear all white and stuff. So it was really, and it's long. So it's four to six hours. You know, in church. How much of that's music? How much is music? But exactly you know, for one two and a half, I three hours. You said forty-six hours. No, no, it could be like four to six hours. Like you're, you go to church at ten in the morning. You might not come home to say two, four o'clock. You know what I'm saying? But in that, there's so much music throughout the church. It has to be that you that love much. it. Yeah, that you end up loving the experience. Once I get there, even though I was resistant, there were just all these incredible musicians. And when you're holding some Pentecostal, these their families that preach and that kind of go around doing revivals, that's what they do. So all these talented musicians would just kind of come through. So gospel music, Shirley Caesar, James Cleveland, of course, yeah. um, Mahalia Jackson. Very, Shirley Caesar's incredible. Still. Yeah. Like still Unbelievable. Right. Aretha, we could listen to by technicality because yeah. she, she was gospel and, and Al Green was big. And my mom was 16 when she had me. 
my mom married. I have two dads. I have a non-bio and a bio dad. So my mom married my dad, um, my non-bio dad, I think at about 19 years old, maybe. So I was about three, maybe going on four. And when she left, you know, she left to take me and my grandmother was like, nah, y'all go off and be married and learn how to be married and, you know, make more children. And so I stayed with my grandmother. My mom left me a huge record collection. Curtis Mayfield. Wow. Um, Harold Melvin and the Blue Nose. I'm just like a lot of stack stuff. So when my grandmother would shut the music down in the house, meaning, you know, you could play music. You had you couldn't play the radio in the main room. Yes. You, I couldn't bump run and down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go to my room and my mom left me like a, what they would call component sets. You put the wax on and I, I listened to like all the soul and all the funk. And then my dad... My non-bio dad, who she married, was a huge Parliament fan, P-Funk. And he um, he just, man, he was one of the best human beings in the world. I tell people all the time, like, man, I, his capacity to love a kid, biologically, it's not his kid. Yeah. But I fucked up his toy car collection. I scratched records trying to be a DJ. And he was just, he was like his, his, his basically his, kind of like you. He was always just on some chill shit. Like, you know, <laughs> I can... I can I can remember playing two live crew back to back to back. And finally he came in like and took the tape. He just took the tape. He said, I'm only taking this because you keep rewinding the same part. And he just walked out. And and two live crew had that bass too. You know, yes, like that was man. the that was they were like so invented it. He encouraged my music. And I didn't realize until a couple years ago, I probably got my aesthetic from rock and roll from my biological dad who you know, who was just like introduced me to rock, let me, encouraged me to listen to Metallica, was not surprised that I love Zeppelin, Zeppelin and Sabbath and stuff. The Eagles um, was big. Pink Floyd, he introduced me to, um, he liked Bon Jovi. I never did so much. Not that I didn't like him. I yeah. just, he was really into him. It was dad rock to me. I had a different rock entry. It was my older sister was mostly. Was that, yeah. She, she's, a, she's a straight teen in the 70s. Oh, she was chilling. <laughs> so, but that, but for me, it was like, Young, it was like the Clash, you know. what I mean, yeah. it was it was like Devo, you know. Ultimately, the Police, yeah, um, yeah. You know, um, that was, and that was my bio dad. He was like he he really let me be free, and I realized later, like he, for shit like that, he talks and rhyme. So I probably picked up my ability to put words together easily from him. Wow. Like if you ask him, like you know, they call him Big Mike. Of course, he's the oldest. I'm I'm Nup in my family. My daughter's Mikey. But they'll be like, you know, Big Mike, how you doing, man? I'm pretty fat for a square, you know. We got somewhere. Uh, and, and it'll just be like, you know, I I, I got somewhere to be. I'm going to get there for, for three. Just it's, And it just effortlessly pours out of him. And I realize as I get older, just hanging with my dad, I probably just kind of picked up a knack for it. So cool. So, you know, my and parents- it, And this were, was pre-hip-hop, no? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to think about it. I'm, I'm like, you know, this is 78, 79. Hip-hop was still something that was my parents then. Yes. Like, so you got, when you hear Grandmaster Flash, Furious 5, yeah. Curtis Blow, I remember him coming to the Omni, performing for the Hawks, yeah. even Houdini, all that was my parents' hype. You know what I'm saying? Like, to me, it was it was music that I liked. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mom, I knew, like, I loved Donna Summer because she liked Donna Summer, right? Big disco. My mom's a free artist, partier. But she'd play like the, the Furious Five, and she'd play Grandmaster Flash, Furious Five, she'd play Curtis. I'm like, I like this. It's different from your regular music, but it's still your music. You know, yes. they were still wearing dress shoes, like silk yes. shirts. And it pit, everything pivoted to me with Run and Jay. When, when, I, when those black, Same. Then, and when it hit, it was just like, oh, this is it not my mother's. It was over. This is, and Fat Boys. Yeah, like, and fa exactly. And it was like Fat Boys running them. It was just like, no, nah, this is not the same. Even though I still love the yes. other acts and stuff, 
if this felt like mine. We kind of have the spirit to model ourselves after Run DMC in a real way. Like, and, and one of the one, I mean, we're literally in all black denim on stage. Like, two, you know, two two MCs and a DJ. Like, we believe because of Run DMC that this this we you can rock a fucking stadium Absolutely. with two rappers and a DJ. Yeah, you yeah. don't need a fucking band. And there's and and maybe you can rock it better than a band ever could if you yeah. if you get it right. Absolutely. If you're a titan and. But I remember just seeing Run, first, of course, the music, but but also just seeing Run DMC and being like, they they they're clearly got they're they're clearly cooler than most people that yes. you see. They're better dressed yes. than most people, but it's still better dressed normal shit. Yes. And it's like, I was like, it made you feel like you could be a part of Run DMC. It made Absolutely. you feel like if you tried, yeah. you might actually they might you might you could probably do that. Like yeah, I could probably put on that hat and and wear that cool jean jacket and 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 those sneakers i like you know the i way, like Adidas. the way they ended up i actually just uh talked to dmc recently in an interview like this and he's so amazing he's great and he was telling me the way that they ended up dressing like that was because that's the way jay jam master jay dressed in real life yeah I heard and, yeah, and yeah. they saw him it's like he's the coolest guy we know let's just dress <laughs> like him it infected us too, you know what I mean, and and this many years later, and like, uh, but I, it, it's always something that I keep with me because I feel like I, that's how I want people who listen to our music to feel. I want them to feel not like we're, that they are gazing at something untouchable. That that they're two here are two guys telling you about uh, about them, you know, their lives that you couldn't possibly imagine being a part of. I, I like the fact that. Um, kids can you know i hope that kids can kind of feel like man we could be run the jewels you know what i mean like yeah. these guys aren't flashy like these guys are they're not above us you know um so i don't know that always stuck with me and, and that just got me into it that that was what got me into thinking i could be a rapper you know like oh shit maybe i can be a rapper i mean yeah. I, I was rapping at 10 so this is me after I've drug a pair of adidas shell toes without the laces <laughs> <laughs> that's you in like fourth grade that's an amazing. That's so incredible. On field day, with my dad, my dad got his picture. Um, as, no as we did field day. shoelaces. No shoelaces. Not on. As a child, you're not thinking. Maybe I should. Maybe I should walk. <laughs> I might have to be able to walk. We'll be back with more from Run the Jewels after the break. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to three percent daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, attempt to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position: warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. 
With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer. So they created something that no one had ever built before, a platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle to everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. We're back with more from Killer Mike and LP. What was the first homegrown hip hop that you heard in Atlanta? Oh, Mojo. Mojo was the first one. Mojo was the first one, 82, 83. I think Mojo works for the city or something now, and um, people still showing love. But Mojo, again, was like my mother's style stuff. You know what I mean? The shit that hit um, later was still more mother's style stuff was Raheem the Dream, DJ. did, well, DJ Tunes was someone else. So then you get Roger. So funny, Dream. I don't know any of these. Teams. No, I got you coming though. Yeah. Then you got Shadi, who was a kid who was from Queens or the Bronx. I think Shadi might have been from the Bronx. Moved down south. He was on Luke Records. Shadi. Shy. Yes. S H Y. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, remember. So him. Shy, exactly. Yeah. So DJ Toon, who later discovered a guy named Ti and created trap music, was his DJ. So Toon's like 15, 16 years old, right? After that, you got a guy named Sammy Sam, who has a record called Zone Three. That's an amazing, it's like Schooly D's, right? It's hardcore, describes Atlanta and Techwood homes. Can we, can we listen to that right now? Do you mind? Because I don't know it and I'd love yeah, to yeah, hear that's it. Fine, oh, yeah. that's let, fine. Me, let me just pull it up. I'm trying to find it on my YouTube too. Sammy. Here it is, yeah. It, man, Sammy it? Yeah, I'm trying to find the record though. He's like, boy, his zone. That's why I'm frizz zone. And that's no Lizzie. If you don't like it, then I tell you, catch a flizzie. And it was so it was almost slick rick in yeah. its in this lightness and candor, but dead fucking seriousness yeah. of it. And um, yeah, Kilo to me is the prototype for the creativity that has become Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? And who officially gave us that sound, of course, 
was was out outcast. Yeah. But um, Sammy Sam, Kilo, Success and Effect, The Hard Boys, um, who does not get enough credit. I want to play this, and this is um, Ghetto Mafia, and I can say Ghetto Mafia was they were they were post outcast or right along like right after them, but they had a record called Straight from the Deck that I still think is just one of the greatest rap records in the world. So these guys were from Decatur. And if you know anything about Atlanta, Atlanta is the city of Atlanta. And then you have surrounding areas, Decatur, College Park, Gwinnett County. So Amigos of Gwinnett County, for instance, Decatur is um, Gucci, man, East Atlanta, the Decatur area. Bluesy, twangy, you so know what good, I mean? So. That's Atlanta, man. We, you know, we've been, been having fun a long time making dope shit out Atlanta, been, Atlanta's run shit well, yeah I'm, you know what I love about Atlanta though it it doesn't run shit in the in the way that it's been ran before it doesn't throw its tail around the old southern saying you throwing its tail around like you're the biggest dog in the yard it kills itself every two three years and reinvents itself like if you look at the it last just means you years, have a progressive music scene no yeah. matter what on all levels it's progressive from from dudes like Outkast to you know to, to even to the street shit trap you got shit, crunk music yeah, which goes into rock music which goes into you know the rock star which goes into the snap movement yeah, which yeah, yeah. Shawty Lowe does not get his proper credit not only was he a rapper he was the person as, as a as a drug game fiend that underwrote a genre of music that whole snap and pop shit like he underwrote those groups and much like Gucci does now Gucci deserves credit not only as a rapper but just as like a, a mogul he really is propelled a lot of careers man you know so I remember when I first heard Crunk it, it blew my mind. I loved it. Crunk me, yeah, I so loved it. Yeah, man. Mike, 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 Mike is a part of one of the seminal Crunk hits. Really? Scared. Which one? I ain't never, never scared. scared. Wow. I ain't never scared. Wow. You play that to this T. day. Yeah. Mike could literally go drop that. I used to watch your shows and be like, damn, this never. record is. <laughs> that was like one of the records I was jealous of yeah. and shit. Like, yeah, no. I, I, I ain't never scared. I, we rocked it a couple times together. I think yeah, I, I really enjoyed getting past that moment. Not like I don't love it, but like as a musician, that was always one of my markers. Like, can yeah. I get enough records that I don't have to perform? You know what I'm saying? Dude, you know how you always have records you just pray you don't have to perform anymore yeah, after a while? I'm, yeah, I'm not mad at it, but I was just like, can no, I but get eventually you it? just yeah. want to move yeah. on. Like, you're just like, it's every cycle of my career, I've been able to shed a couple that, like, I mean, here's the thing we're super lucky to be in that position that people consider Absolutely. jams from different phases of our career Absolutely. to be important Absolutely. to us. But, like, I've never liked looking back. I've all because it's always felt like a waste of time to me. It was yeah. always like I was always desperately looking for the next idea. So there does come a point where you have to reconcile with that. Like you have to, you have to, you have to become okay with your with, with even your 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 musical output from your past. You know, like you have to make friends with it again. You yeah. know, because it is a party. It's the same. It's like it's like the same way. It's like the same thing. I'm learning about what therapy is. In, in other words, reconciling with who you were so that you can understand who you are now, being cool with it, knowing that that was what just happened. It wasn't that, you know, like a real obsession guy like myself when it comes to music couldn't go back and listen to one of my records and hear a thousand things that I wished I had done. I do the same. Yeah, I think everybody, I, I argue with Scarface for an hour, first of all, about like he had, like, I couldn't believe he's unsatisfied with his music. 
That's also the sign of why Scarface has a 32-year career in no whack albums, and style seems to be constantly progressing because I believe in it, man. The, yeah, I mean, here we are, and we're 44. Yeah, and and we still like we're here tweaking to like I, I literally for a month just like I hate that verse. Came back and tweaked two bars and loved that verse because it wasn't about the verse; it was about those bars weren't right. Is you know it what amazing I mean? how sometimes? small details change your opinion of a whole thing Everything. and also how delicate when you do catch something mm-hmm. and then you try to improve upon it how delicate that balance is and sometimes you don't even know yeah. you breathe on it wrong and yeah. it goes away yeah. and yeah. you know anyone who's been making who, who makes records knows that despite the fact sometimes that you might be able to get a technically better version of something that you did, half the time, if not more, you just don't want to trade it for what the original... The soul. Even if there was something that they you fucked yeah. up. Yeah. I said a word wrong, but the rest the of soul, it is so... It's I can't, I can't... I'm just going to have to let it be what it is. Like, did Kurt really mean to say a mosquito, my libido? I think so. <laughs> or my but libido. But I'll tell you, Dizzy like- Gillespie... Dizzy Gillespie plays the, the sax. sax. <laughs> it was one of the greatest hip hop lines of all time because immediately it wasn't true. Yeah. It was just immediately not true. It's your first line. But it was fly as fuck. It doesn't even matter. Even as a kid, and because I, I knew who Dizzy Gillespie was. Uh, there's one on our new record, and it sounded so good, I didn't give a fuck to correct it. What was it? Nah, it's, I, can't, I can't tell you. Whisper it to it's me. A, it's an Outcast reference. It named the members of Outcast. And it expanded. The oh, he, 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 yeah. But it's dope. And I do not want to change because it's so dope. I was wondering about that. Yeah. No wonder because it's dope. Funny. But Dizzy Gillespie plays the sax. It's, there's not, it's no there's nothing more honest than saying that because it's just completely a lie. It just has nothing to do with anything. It's like no truth. And yet you're just, and everybody who heard it was like, this, yep, he does. Because you just said that shit so cool. Swag, man. Swag. So fuck uh, it. Dizzy Gillespie plays the sax. When we come back, we'll pick up with a discussion about Killer Mike and LP's lyrics. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hello, hello, Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History. If you've watched a professional tennis match recently, you'll know that fans had this amazing new tool at their disposal. It was created by the consulting company Infosys and the Association of Tennis Professionals. It's an immersive 3D viewing experience for tennis fans, which allows them to watch matches from new angles, get real-time statistics, and better understand the inner workings of the game and its athletes. Basically, a completely new, data-driven way to appreciate a tennis match. It's been a huge hit, 
And I'm proud to say that the Infosys Tennis Platform earned first place in the customer experience category at the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event held at Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas that celebrates customers who've boldly innovated for the sake of meaningful change. And I think it's important to point out that innovation like this doesn't just require a great idea and exploit some great underlying technology. It takes courage. Because tennis is a game with a long history and some pretty powerful traditions. I mean, you can only wear white at Wimbledon. Still, it's the 21st century. And here was an idea that said we can dramatically change the way a fan watches a match. We can feed them data. We can allow them to see things they could never see before with the naked eye, or even conventional camera angles. If you want to turn a world upside down, you have to have a pretty strong backbone. That's a lot of what the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards are all about. Finding people and companies who show that kind of boldness. I encourage you to enter. It's a fantastic event and a great way to be recognized for your brave, outside-the-box thinking in front of the industry's most influential leaders. And an even better way to say, I told you so. You can enter by July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. We're back with Run the Jewels. You've managed to straddle uh, a boundary between talking about serious stuff, talking about political stuff, and also talking about gangster shit and yeah. crazy hip-hop lyrics. Yeah. How, how, how does it feel to, to dance between the seriousness of the message and the fun of hip hop and love of hip hop. Man, I it's it's one of the most liberating things to be allowed to do because I loved my public enemy. I loved my NWA and those extremes and I love Bismarcky. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And to be able to have a style that's gangster rap centered and based um heavily um, revolutionary rap influenced by way of PE and Pac and and morality based in terms of Southern lyricists, like in terms of face. Being able to be that hybrid, it's been an honor for me because most people 
you get accepted as a the the character you portray or the the part of the ego you personify. And my man Cuz Lightyear, shouts out to Cuz Lightyear in the back back there. But Cuz says, man, he's like he, he never lets me forget. He's like, hey, you know, you lucky, Cuz, because you get to be you. He say, really, people just so this what I am on record is really me. And that's not saying you know I'm going out to fucking try to fight with hundred cops tomorrow, but. Like, I am rebellious by nature. I'm also a fucking total jokester and shit talker. And if we sat in this room long enough and I'm bored, I'm going to pick up a book and just read until I go to sleep. You know, so I get to be the kid I actually was. Like, it was weird for me growing up being a kid, understanding the economics of, I want to go to the dance. I don't have sneakers. Sleepy knows how to make fake drugs. I can go sell them in my uncle, my uncle's neighborhood. And doing that to get the new Nikes and the fake gold chain for the dance, doing knowing how to do that, but still literally loving art. Like to the point I go to the museums and 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 literally loving rap music and under like so getting a chance to be that on record for me. I appreciate the fans for allowing me to because I think most human beings are that complex and we don't allow ourselves to be um, publicly. We present whoever we want the public to think we are, interpret us as, and we do not show our total or willing to show, and or allowed to do it. I think that also for us, me and Mike, there there are there are only a few advantages to being in your forties and still and in the current music land, you know, as a rapper. And, and, you know, we don't talk about it that much, and age isn't a big deal, but what it is is a collection of experiences. And, and we're, we're, we're at a point, I think, when we're, we're, with our records and, and where we are in our heads when we met up, we, just, we, had the same, we had the same perspective, which is we don't want to do records where we don't have the room to make jokes or we don't have the room to, make, to cry. <laughs> like, or we don't have the room... Like, like we, we, we don't want to present ourselves and, and, and we, we're... we're we just neither of us ever really did where we were this, where we chose an idea and decided to make that one idea exactly everything that we're supposed to do because if you if you really have to be careful man if when you're coming into this shit if you're if you are if you're doing that if you are choosing a thing just a thing and you're not punching out the walls like with the with, you know by definition with the variety of the different things that you can do when you present yourself to people you 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 are in very much danger of being a victim of the own thing that you created the thing that you presented can come back to destroy you because if you if you're an artist you're going to want to to say other things Evol- than, than you are absolutely and that's literally what we do i mean in terms of as you know on some human shit like that's that you know that's the art thing, I think. That's the modus operandi for an artist is, is to be paying attention. And you want to you make an artist or, you know, someone who loves art is trying to make art who expresses themselves that way. You want to you wanna kill their spirit, just, just tell them that they can't change. <laughs> yeah. Tell them they can't change. And, and, and so there's a delicate balance between knowing what, what, what's awesome about what you do and what people connected with, yes. but also having no shame about being able to just make like a really stupid joke yeah. and then say something and feeling good about it and, and feeling yeah. great about it yeah. and, and 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 seeing literally absolutely no conflict about doing then something really poignant that is that actually does have meaning and the two are completely related why because that's us man we're 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 serious we have we have real you know real concerns and real thoughts and 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 discussions uh even even in relation to our music 
but we're also like you know but but comedy and 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 sort of a joyous perspective is, is just as much of a of a, of a of a joy for us and in, in what and what we do and so we i'm so psyched that i get to be in a situation where we've where it's cool it's like it's cool there's no there's no expectation other than to do it to make it sound great to make to, to, to do it so that it's real so it connects and that you know and so and 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 it's terrifying to me to think that anyone would like stop us or or, or wouldn't have, you know like there wasn't the room no one's stopping you of course you know it's a fear it's not about the world's out to get you but it's something that i'm really i'm really happy about that like when i listen to me and mike's music i'm like i like this because this these are people these are not yeah. This is and not it, an it idea. scratches it's not different itches. Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of the things that I I, I see uh, as a limitation for certain artists who are very single focused in one place. After they've made a couple of albums like that, it's like what's left to do. Right, you, you, you got know, you nailed that. <laughs> yeah, it's like we've done you that. It. It's like now what? Like why is it interesting to talk about the same subject again for ten more songs? I don't know. It's not, you know what I'm saying? It's like, there has to be, you have to at least be looking at it, even if it's related to the same ideas yeah. from different perspectives. perspectives I, agree. I agree, I agree. From all around, finding what's interesting about it now that wasn't there before when you wrote a song about a similar topic. I remember that song, Wish I Was a Little Bit Taller, Wish I Was a Baller, Wish I Had a, what I would call it. That record was so honest to me. At a time where and everything at the right time, yeah. yeah, everything had been so hard and hardcore that it was the perfect, you know. Ev- there's there's insecurities with being a teenage boy, you know what I mean? There's insecurities with being a man. Period. And that song did it, and not in a whiny or what we would be considered hip hop a sucker way. Like yeah, yeah. it was just, you know, it was very honest. Like I that that um that 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 that's dope to me because if you look at what rules and rap now, it's the world to that perspective to to. To the like, I look at the top guys now. The top guys have a sensitivity that just wasn't allowed when I was that age. You know what I'm saying? And that's a dope thing. Now we express it in a different way. Like we're we're giving a sensitivity, and then next we might be shooting a dog on a porch, you know, just to make an old lady cry. And in the ridiculousness, because of the ridiculousness, of it. Of it. yeah, yeah, not, not like of, we're we're half real. You know, we, there's a half of a really human element to what we yeah. do that we're and we and we and we really aren't afraid to tap into that. But the other half is the Blues Brothers fucking stumbling absolutely, their way across America absolutely. and getting into gunfights, you know? And they're like, and why? Just because this shit is fun to us. It's yeah. funny. That's you what friends I mean? do. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it, so, you know, and, 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 and I, and I love that. I, I love, I love like the relinquishing of self-seriousness, you know, like I, I don't, I, I think that you're doomed if you're coming into art thinking that you need to take yourself seriously all the time. Like, that's a fucking trap. Like, that's, you know, like, if you can't just point at yourself and, be, and, and it, even saying, like, saying something that you don't believe, you know, saying something hilarious. If that it's you, a that good you, line. If it, and, it, it, and not in the sense of, like, you know, but just being the ass, like, letting yourself, for the sake of comedy, be a complete fucking asshole. Of course. Like, that's definitely in our wheelhouse. <laughs> like... The more assholeish, the better. Like we, you know, we sit around and we just, you know, like what's the fucking the Danny Brown verse you know, for that? The, you know, the, 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 the yeah. three tears, but that verse, that record, the Danny right, record, right, right. that that my verse was all about. It was somebody I had watched on some fucking shit that was just shitting on black rappers and athletes, and I'm just like, 
God damn, like you expect this from Fox News. You expect it from the concern. Like, you look like my fucking aunt and uncle. Like, how are you shitting on me? And that's where that verse just came directly out of. You know what, man? Fuck y'all. Fuck this <laughs> shit. This ain't Killer Mike the activist. This is Michael. Fuck you, render. And, <laughs> and it is absolutely ridiculous. That record is an amazing record, too. Jack Danny and all. And, and Peg was it? You, yeah, you had a problem me yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robert, yeah, Peg in there, kick it with us. He's talented. And, yeah, man, the, the beat was, very original beat maker. Yo, it was it was very it original. Was, it was wild as fuck to figure out that ride. Yeah. I like figuring out. Part of the reason I think I, I proclaim LP greatest rapper producer in one thing yeah. ever because I see him write the motherfucking raps yeah. and I see him develop these beats into something. But a lot of times the beats ain't an easy ride. Now the ride is dope and it's there, but we have to find it. Yes. And you've seen this at this point. You come back maybe three different, like, God damn, that ain't it. We got a son about it on like. But that beat challenged me to find a ride yeah. that I loved. I came out of that motherfucker feeling like a better rapper. Like, yeah. You know that's a Yoko Ono. You tell you, I think you told me that. Sample, yeah. yeah. Shit is the nuts. beauty of the challenge when it forces you to go outside of your normal patterns. Yes. Yes. You become better. Hey, and there's only an elite group of motherfuckers that can actually write, you know, you get, you know, that that like can find the pocket, you know? Like cause I was listening to it and yeah, I had to be like, you heard Danny's pocket. And yeah, anyway, it's can it's we play I, it? I like Yeah, it. yeah, please. Let's oh, play it. I wanna tell kids too, man, you know, shit. Fuck music reviewers and who wrote what. Listen to the song yourself. That's it. And see what you think. Yeah. I I I I saw a review of this record. It's not our record. I don't particularly yeah, yeah. Besides thinking I got a dope verse, I don't have I don't have much skin in the game. But I saw a review give a lazy review on it, like, and I could, and I went to to rap lyrics or quote rap quote or whatever, and I realized he had literally just read the lyrics, maybe listened to the song once, and only highlighted really what was in the bars. I was just like, how lazy! And like, what tripped me out wow. about that punk ass reviewer yeah. is he failed to acknowledge Danny's Mister Servon shout out. Which in the no limit spectrum, if you really was a no limit guy, you that's like to me, that's that rap nerd shit. Yeah. I'm coming to you, listening to you, because I trust your punk ass. Yeah. And you not even rap nerd enough to know Mr. Servon. And then from a street perspective, the most honest thing said on that record was when Danny said he had to act like a fiend to get out of getting arrested. I'm just like, this nigga's a genius. You know what I'm saying? And that's what you lose when when L hit the fucking triple Lindsay flip reference to dad and the, the mom it's just like how the fuck can you listen to that shit and I be like oh man I'm fucking mind's blown you know what I mean and then and I the, think I and the flows are so interesting over the beat absolutely. it's jazz exactly it is jazz exactly it's free exactly it's freestyle that was what the beat did the beat made us find a pocket and everyone found a different yeah, pocket man. it's three different styles you, trying to with each verse you hear the the beat in a whole different absolutely. way exactly absolutely. and that's 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 to me that's what's lost in the in the now of like man, it was so new, and not on some super nostalgic. It was all better than it was just so new that it was fleeting. You didn't know if it'd be around much longer. Yes. So you took all of it serious. Facts. Like not to the point of oh, I take it. Or just to like yo, you let listen. me learn this shit. Let me learn because I don't know how. Like I remember, and I know you know it. They said this shit's not gonna be around for four oh years. God, man. And how then it years, was this shit's gonna be around ten years. Did and then, I, just making music. How many years did I have to get the same lecture from people, from old people, telling me every fucking time I fucking anyone found out that I was doing this shit through my youth. 
you had to endure the lecture. Yep. And that was that some guy who knew, some older dude who just knew that it was just a waste of time. Oh, Trust me, kids. It's disco. It's disco. Pick up a guitar. We used to always catch up a guitar. It's disco. I yeah. saw it. Yeah. I lived through it. You know what I mean? And you're just like, no. We even knew then. We were like, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's a new form of fucking music. I remember being told it wasn't even music because we talked. Of course. They still say that shit. Just like God. They damn. still try and say that shit. And now, yeah. It's, and disco's know. not even gone for that matter. Nah. It's like disco's everywhere. Again, right. It, right. How the fuck you not jam some Donna Summer on a Sunday smoking with your wife, man? You know? Thanks to LP and Killer Mike for taking time away from making their new record to talk to Rick. Make sure to check for it once it drops wherever you get your music. You can hear more of their work together as Run the Jewels and their solo stuff by listening to our playlist for this episode at brokenrecordpodcast.com. Broken Record is produced with help from Jason Gambrell, Mia Lobel, and Leah Rose for Pushkin Industries. Our theme music is by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Thanks for listening. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry and me. I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there.